Well, my feeling looking into the, the window of this particular painting, and, or recalling it, I should say, because it's burnt into my memory by that intense act of standing in this gallery space, rather unnatural, and staring at everything that's in the painting initially, except the one thing I'm supposed to look at, which is the tree, to allow the tree to grow really from a blot in my consciousness and to, to take its own form. And now transporting that out into another a landscape, quite a, quite a blank landscape, brings the painting vividly back. And it's curious that it's now the same time of day. The shadows are lengthening behind us. There's a dark pool in the foreground of the painting and there are all sorts of other arboreal shapes that are auditioning to take on the condition of this one central tree that is the, the key element or the keyhole in consciousness that stands there in the painting that I would really want to come and talk about. Um, my feeling about it is almost religious in a way that doesn't go with any system of belief but it's a more about, this is a painting about division and about judgment, and both of those things are reflected in the tree. When you look at the tree, it's silhouetted and it bifurcates. It's in fact two trees that have grown together. There's um, a male form on the right-hand trunk, somewhat more sturdy, somewhat direct. The left-hand trunk is slenderer and leans away, forming a V which is repeated throughout as the tree goes up with continual bifurcation. In the low buildings alongside, the duplication is there in two dark doors, and in the arches beyond, another doubling, but this time they look like eyes. So I think everything forms around this notion of doubling and division. There's a herdsperson and sheep and goats, the traditional biblical division of the Day of Judgment. So that's absorbed before you stare at the tree itself. The tree itself is rounded in its forms. It's almost like a cauliflower. It's like a, a parachute of leafage, very rich, very dense, above this slender tree trunk. And therefore, I think, slightly threatened, slightly standing in judgment against this pastoral scene at twilight in an otherwise reasonably anonymous landscape. Scrub woods on the horizon, as if this tree has been nominated to stand for all the others and to, to do something significant. And as I look at it, the the branch forms beneath it begin to burn through the foliage and the foliage folds back on itself. The light is fairly flat. It's, it's getting dim. The oil itself has, has faded. Um, it's not an illuminated window. It's a slightly clouded window and uh, at 64 years old, my eyes are not kind of pin sharp, and I, 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 
I take this as being a kind of question of mortality, to see how you can absorb yourself into this, this tree, which, which stands very much as a symbol. Um, and I think as a, as a symbol of reaching, a symbol of two in one, uh, a form of the world that, that is not transcendent, is quite ordinary in, a, in an undramatic place, but having to take a particular significance simply because of the hour of the day, the, the positioning at the right of the frame, um, separated from the, the human business of the, the farm, the buildings, the notion of the, the shrubs and uh, creepers and foliage that's, that's crawling out of the side of the building and over the roof of the building, that's, that's not important. The tree itself. And uh, I find as we go on there's a switch and that the observer drawn up into the branches, almost turns around 360 degrees and um, begins to look back out of the portrait itself and back out into this imposed landscape um, in a way that you could give yourself up to entirely and, uh, and disappear, leaving only this quite arbitrary arrangement as a replacement for yourself in the world. If you stared hard enough, if you stayed there long enough, this is what would happen. It's something that seems quite mute and quite innocent in itself, but is itself uh, subtly challenging. And I think that's, that's its final form for me. Um, something rather like the effect you might get in a story by M.R. James, where you look at a an engraving and notice after a very long time that there is a tiny figure beginning to move that actually has a life of its own in this static frozen thing. Um, when we haven't reached that point I think I'd have to stay with the tree for a very long time to see how the, the tree becomes the hemispheres of a brain, the way the tree becomes an absence. The tree itself is simply that dark place where the world doesn't come, that the tree is, is itself and, and nothing else, and the, the act of observing it becomes finally redundant. I mean, the, the act of recalling is, is a kind of exercise that's been imposed on us for the nature of this scheme, but it is now actually impossible to dispel the image of this particular painting. The, the painting itself represents uh, a group of buildings which uh, have this endlessly doubled form. I say two arches and around the corner from it a, a barn-like structure with two dark doors, uh, sheep, the goats, the herdsperson, uh, the tree on a slight mound, another mound to the right and then the country dropping back beyond it, undistinguished a series of, of blurred, bluish forms, possibly woods and trees beyond. Uh, a lot of cloud. The cloud is, is yellowy and boiled up in a sort of way, as, uh, as if it's been sort of overcooked and left there, somewhat cheesy, pressing down on this scene. 
Nobody's making a drama out of the fact that this is sunset. It is a kind of symbolic moment that this is the end of the day. We are moving towards a sort of resolution in a, in a classically religious sense. And that's, that's the background of the painting. But we're looking at this painting in a particular way. It could be left as a, a fairly recessive image that you, that you might pass by in an art gallery, but challenged to stop and be part of that painting, to engage with that painting, brings the focus entirely on something that's probably out of balance with the artist's intention, which is the tree. The tree becomes everything. And in this context, the tree becomes the world. The tree becomes a human identity. The tree becomes the splitting of the human brain. The tree becomes a kind of marriage between male and female. And the tree becomes something that, that will be judged. And then all that falls away and you've simply got this arrangement of space and form. That the roundness is there. It puffs and it billows. It's knobbly. The, 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 the leaf forms become a solidity. Uh, and hanging low off the bare branches at the bottom are, are like two faint spectral hanged figures, just excrescences that drop away from the tree. Uh, slightly sinister, slightly strange, but avoiding drama and avoiding rhetoric and simply staring kind of mutely back in, in, a, in a very calm sort of way at the person who is coming to look at it and is coming to come to terms with it and talk about those arrangements of energy and shape and form and structure and colour, all of which happened a long time ago, all of which depicts somewhere which isn't there, and all of which is now recalled in a landscape that has no direct connection with it. It is just a kind of absence, but in which the clouds hang, slivered, cirrus clouds, at the end of a particular day, another day, in which we recall the end of the first day, and in that relation is, is still some kind of dramatic exchange.